Josh Allen had a really great day. So, yeah. but that's we're just gonna move on to day four because that's like casual. That's normal, news now. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> that's so that's so nice to say. You're now listening to the Wandering Buffalo podcast with your hosts Andrew Chang and Justin Goddard. Hello and welcome to the Wandering Buffalo Podcast, a show on the Belt and Buffalo Network. My name is Andrew Chang. Alongside me is my co-host Justin Goddard. Tonight, we were going to do an all-time Buffalo Bills draft episode, but with how weird last week was and how exciting it was to have training camp back, we figured we'd just take this episode to go in a different direction. So tonight, we're going to focus on all the news that has kind of leaked out of training camp. Uh, As always, you can find us on social media, podcasting platforms, and even on YouTube by searching The Wandering Buffalo Podcast. And in addition, you can find other amazing shows that we are affiliated with on the Built in Buffalo Network by looking up the Built in Buffalo Podcasting Network. Uh, How are you doing tonight, Justin? I'm good, man. Thank you. Uh, Just fresh off of a a pretty pretty intense weekend of camping. We we -hmm. did some... Uh, the fiance and I. Hey, hey. Uh, we did a little like off grid camping, tent camping. Ended up finding a really cool hiking spot. It was kind of like we just walked up a riverbed. We ended up climbing like five waterfalls. It was, it was one of the sweetest hikes I've ever did. It was, it was really good to kind of get out there, disconnect a little bit. I've missed yeah. a lot on uh, training camp news, so I had to do some catch up, but. It was good, man. Really good. That's that's really nice to hear. And wow, you just had uh, quite the exciting two weeks. So for those of you who are listening, Justin got engaged last week. And then seven days later, which is today, he got, it's his birthday. So there's a lot going on in Justin's life right now. He's trending in the right direction. The dirty 30 one. One. <laughs> he's doing good just i'm i'm really happy to see that uh everything is going good in your life plus mm-hmm. i saw those photos and it's really nice yeah really, really it, nice it started out as a very casual hike like hey let's go check this out and mm-hmm. we walked for a while and we came to the first waterfall and we were like yeah we can we can probably climb that and then as we got up to like the second third fourth one there was like um People had left climbing ropes on them to get up them. So getting up was pretty easy. Getting down, a little sketch. A little little sketchy. A little sketchy for my uh, very conservative nature, but made it back in one piece. Didn't injure myself until we were actually at the campground packing up. Right. You know, that kind of reminds me of, have you ever been to Zor Valley? I have not. Oh, you, you gotta go. It's... I think it's like about an hour south of Buffalo, and there's a couple of ways you can enter this park. And the one that I always go to, there's a fork. And on the right, you could take like, you know, the steady slope, uh, slope down and into the water. Or if you go left, there's just a giant drop off that you can scale down. Every single time I've gone there, I have chosen the left path. How do you not? Going down it is okay. Going up it is incredibly scary because 
I don't I don't know what it is. Like looking down is not bad, but climbing up and then looking backwards, thinking like, oh my god, if I slip, I'm I'm just gonna go tumble down for a long, long time. <laughs> See, I always prefer going up because I can very carefully put certain weight on my mm. footholds and know that I'm pretty secure. Going back down, it's kind of like you you got to reach for them, and I hope that's a good one, like I think it is. <laughs> well, regardless, we you know you and I should go do a camping trip. Let's do it. And speaking of camp, let's talk about training camp transition. Which is, yeah, which is tonight's episode. It's basically gonna be like a giant Buffalo Bills news update, but we're just gonna recap everything from training camp from the first week of training camp. Speaking of which, this is the first time that I can think about, think that next Sunday, we're going to have football. Next Sunday, we're going to have football. Next Sunday, we're going to have football, and so on and so forth. That's, like, awesome. Like, that that gets me pumped. <laughs> so without further ado, let's dive into the day one notes here. And first things first, it was held at Highmark Stadium, and from what I know is that it's not going to be back at St. John Fisher College. So, I mean, that's good, right? I'd rather not, you know, I'd rather enjoy training camp being at Rochester, but that's only because I'm purely selfish and I like having the team close to me. But it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for the team to, like, you know, pack up and move for training camp, even if it's only an hour away. I never really understood the logistics behind it, but I didn't really care because it was benefiting me as a Rochesterian. Like, could you imagine if we were the Cowboys or if I, if we were Cowboys fans and training camp was being held in California in a different time zone? Like, that would make no sense to me as a fan, and I would be kind of annoyed by it. It's like purposely putting your team on an away game the entire preseason and training camp it just i I just don't understand that one yeah same same as you i have the little bit of a selfish aspect being that um living in rochester it's kind of right up the road um but also it, it kind of offered this like intimate opportunity to be with the team versus like um the like it was open to the public what was it saturday and mm-hmm. it's it's held like in the stadium, right? So there's still, you know, the walls up to the bleachers and everything. It's not like your ground level, you know, feet away from these players and stuff. So mm-hmm. I do think, like, as a fan, there was some really fun and interesting opportunities at St. John Fisher. Mm-hmm. Um, but from like an organizational standpoint, um, the the money that they dumped into the rehab and training facilities and all the extra work that they've put into that building. Um, not to mention all the extra space they have. Um, they have the indoor practice facility, they have the outdoor, Mm -hmm. they have the stadium itself. Um, especially kind of in the COVID times where you have to be able to spread out a little bit and separate some things. I think logistically it does make sense to stay in Orchard Park. Mm -hmm. Um, but also, being away from Fisher for a couple of years, I, I think we've talked about this in the past. I, I don't really see it coming back at this point. Yeah, neither do I. And I forgot to note that we're going to go in chronological order. So, you know, mo- you'll most likely have already heard about some of this news, but 
we still like to deliver our, our takes on it, and uh, we'll, we'll get you up to speed with everything if you haven't heard about it. So moving on with day one, Deion Dawkins and Ike Bakker were both on the COVID-19 protocol, which kind of sucks, right? I thought this whole thing was slightly behind us, but this is a good reality. Well, not a good, but this is a reality check that this isn't behind us, and this situation is still looming upon us. And I just want these two to be healthy. And I think as I've gotten older, I've really realized how important often the how important the offensive line is. It's very commonly over an overlooked position, especially if you don't watch football like that. But it's everything. And they say you win in the trenches, and I think Brandon Bean is all about that, <laughs> which is what you get if you're, you know, a protege of Dave Gettleman. Maybe he's not a protege. I think he's a little past him at this point. But you can see that Brandon Bean truly believes in that with his resource allocation on the offensive and the defensive lines. It's huge. So not a great way to start off camp not having the offensive line which never was the never had the starting five together not to have their starting five together to start camp yeah a couple things on that front it's it's a very unfortunate way to start the season and you know again hope both the guys are healthy and come through it okay um mm-hmm. but you know assuming that um and, and, at least it's out of the way early, I guess. I don't know if that's bad to say. Um, mm-hmm. But it does give us a chance to get a look at some of the younger guys um, whose reps would have been limited in in a off-season setting. Um, with Deion Dawkins in particular, and to a certain extent, Ike Bakker, we kind of know what we have in them. Um, you, mm-hmm. you know who they are. Um, I think there's still a little bit more to learn about Bakker, but... We saw him in starts last year. He looked, you know, at least at a passable starter level. Maybe he can go up a little bit. Um, What I didn't like about this is pretty much right from the rip, we started seeing some shuffling for Cody Ford. Oh, yeah. Uh, And you and I had talked about this in the offseason. We talked about it in our position review. We've, We've talked about it several times. I just want to see Cody Ford in one spot and see how he looks there with, with some time on task, mm-hmm. um, getting the reps in in one position, knowing who he's playing next to, all that stuff that goes into the offensive line that he hasn't had that continuity with yet. It's like, oh, we drafted you as a tackle. Maybe you can play left tackle. Maybe you can play right tackle. Maybe you're better as a guard. And he's played everywhere but center. And I just want to see him anchored in one spot with consistent players next to him and really see what we have in him, especially coming up on a contract year. Right. And I will say this about the Cody Ford situation, right? So Bakker, Dawkins gone, right? Could you imagine, and we, so theoretically we can safely say that Spencer Brown, which we know got slotted in (laughs) there, So could you imagine Spencer Brown left, Cody Ford, Mitch Morris, Feliciano, and then Williams? So it literally be like, like very very fresh, 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 fresh 
veteran, 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 <laughs> veteran. Like, you know, it, it makes sense that they would throw him on the right side with Daryl Williams because you don't really want two new-ish people kind of ping-ponging off each other who have no real experience in that position. Could you imagine they just kind of look at each other, go like, what are, you, what are we doing here? Like, what? I don't know, but we're going to figure it out. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. So it makes sense that, you know, uh, OG Bobby Johnson was like, nah, let's let's just have him next to Darrell Williams, slot a veteran. Good. It will help help um, Cody Ford understand what he needs to be doing um, when eventually he does kick back to the left side, which I think he's going to do, which I think he should do. I, th- I think he always looked better on the left side than the right. Every day with him, I have more questions than answers. Yeah, and... You know, I mean, I guess it's a good thing we got to see Spencer Brown get thrusted into first-team drills because you get to kind of get a glimpse of where he's at right now, at least least, uh, us as fans, which is cool because for a third-round pick, that's a pretty high draft pick in in terms of resource allocation. So it's a nice sneak preview of what we can expect from him down the road. Moving forward, Jerry Hughes failed his physical, and he's going to start off the season on the injury list. It sounds like a calf strain. Nothing that I'm extremely worried about, but it's not ideal for our best and most veteran defensive end to be injured to start off camp. Although, this does give an opportunity for our first-round draft pick, Gregory Rousseau, to uh, get thrusted into first-team drills. And from what I'm hearing, the man is showing out Justin. And I'm excited and happy to hear that because the way I thought about Gregory Rousseau was like a piece of clay that we're going to have to mold and it's going to take a long time for him to get where he needs to be. And that's not to say that that's not the case. But the fact that he's showing out already might be an indicator that he's maybe further along that trajectory path than I had originally thought, or maybe we have originally thought as fans. Yeah, so so to your point, I, I agree with you to an extent. Uh, kind of with Hughes, I have a similar take as the offensive line, um, where I'm not really concerned with Hughes missing the start of camp. Um, it's not really sounding like he's going to be missing extended time or anything. And we know who Jerry is, right? So in the short term, this is going to free up some some uh, snaps for Rousseau, Basham, even Epinesa mm-hmm. to an extent. Um, all the news I've heard from Rousseau and Basham have been glowing thus far, and even mm-hmm. more so for Epinesa. Um, I'm kind of holding back my excitement because the pads haven't come on yet. Yeah, um, I definitely think Rousseau has the athletic ability, the tools, all that, and I think that's kind of easier to show without the pads on. So we'll mm-hmm. see once it's you know full contact, we're going live, um, all that, what he ends up doing. Um, but similar to you, I was kind of looking at him just based on the whole narr- narrative around him of you know this is going to be a project player, blah blah blah. Um, 
the more I look at it, the more I'm like, you know, maybe he's not really a project player. You know, we didn't see him the year before the draft. So maybe he is ready to go and he's going to be further along. Um, He does seem like a very mature young player. He does seem like he's ready to come in and do the work. And, And if they can work with him and untap some of that potential, maybe he could be dangerous year one. Who knows? Yeah. Well, you know, as I'm going to draw a parallel here, and maybe I'm a little off, maybe I'm a little wrong for doing this, but remember AJ McCarron, Nate Peterman, how they were supposed to be the starter for basically the entire year, and then that lasted all of like a, week. a half of football, and then they were <laughs> then they were like, all right, Josh, get in there. Like mainly Nate Peterman was like so bad that they were like, Josh can't be worse than this and then they threw him in there (laughs) so i'm not saying that those two situations are alike but because i have a lot more respect and faith in our other defensive ends but you know who knows but it also kind of goes with Bean's draft strategy of like Mm -hmm. taking these players with the physical gifts and draft and develop draft and develop and kind of betting on the physical tools and Mm -hmm. Sometimes guys like that are just better when the lights are on, you know. Yeah. So to speak, we usually play Sunday at one, so there's not as many lights on. But mm-hmm. you know, when it, you can practice and you can practice technique and all that till you drop dead, but when the lights come on, can you beat the man across you or not? And Rousseau seems like the type that might be even more of a gamer than a practice player to me. Right. Right. Moving on to the end of uh, day one notes, Brandon Bean and Cole Beasley talked to the media as well as other people, but we're going to focus on these two. So Brandon Bean opened up about the possibility of a contract extension for Allen, stating, you know, it would be great to get it done, and if it's not done by this year, they have all of next year to get it done. And that's exciting, right? And you we're in that area where, or that time frame where, if something's happening, it's going to happen soon. And I, for the most part, I think Brandon Bean's being very uh, transparent. And he's proven that he's a very transparent person when it comes to delivering news to the media. So I'm going to take him his words for face value and say, hey, if it doesn't happen this year, we're going to get it done next year. And that's okay. Because we have the fifth-year option picked up on him, which is a steal for Josh Allen. Because people close to the team, like Thad Brown, tweeted out that Allen looked super good on the first day of camp. Like, MVP-level good. So he picked up exactly where he left off, which is amazing to hear. Yeah, um, as far as the transparency you talked about with Brandon Bean, it's, it's one of my favorite things about him. Um, you know, around draft season, there's a little bit of a little bit of more storytelling going on from him, but that's you know to be expected. Um, for me personally, I'd rather get this deal done sooner mm-hmm. rather than later, um, and that's mostly for me because right now Allen will never be cheaper than mm-hmm. he will be going forward. Um, that's true. Unless he takes this, you know, horrible step backward and just stinks, and then you know, where's the fun in that? Um, but I'm looking at like the Dak Prescott situation, where 
what they tagged him for two years and you know they got a decent deal for those two years but then they still end up resigning him to the long-term deal and it ends up costing him I think it was something like eight million dollars more for average annual value and now you have you know two more years of your starting quarterback your franchise face you know kind of wondering if you're committing to him or not and then you end up paying him more than you would have anyways yeah Um, so for me for me this contract isn't a matter of if it's the when Mm -hmm. and you know barring any sort of monumental regression going forward which i don't see it's only going to go up from here so i'd prefer to get it done sooner than later right right and if you're wondering what that knocking noise was that was me you know knocking on wood on my desk because justin said unless alan takes this crazy step backwards i was like "Mm, gotta knock on the wood (laughs) let's hope that never happens moving on beasley talked to the media stating that the whole twitter situation was blown out of proportion and i think it really was and we had bruce nolan on last uh on our last episode and to bruce's point cole beasley isn't the only one to go out there and share his voice and stance on the COVID position. And if you think that he's the only player in the entire NFL organization to feel that way. You're nuts. Yeah. Yeah. You're nuts. Like the world doesn't revolve around Western New York. <laughs> it just doesn't. And I don't know. It just, it, it all, he also said that he would stay off of social media when the season starts. So if you're worried about him like posting and you know sharing his opinions and views or whatnot, if you think that's toxic, well, he's not going to be on social media. So I guess that means no news is good news, right? Right. So, so what I really liked about Beasley's statement is it it seemed to be kind of written, and he took the time out to fully flush out what he was thinking and what he wanted to convey, and. I think his statement that he made was much more concise than kind of trying to put together what he was saying on Twitter. And I've been on Twitter for a very short time and the the responses on Twitter, it, it's two ends of the spectrum and you get nothing in between. It's no like, well, I look at it this way, but I could see this point, you know, there, there's nothing in between. It's, it's pros and cons. Um, So what I liked about his written statement is that he was kind of able to convey where he was coming from a little better. Mm -hmm. And whether you disagree with him or disagree with his points, um, I I do have some respect for kind of flushing out his stance more of like trying to be the the veteran presence, having a voice for younger players in the league and fringe players who aren't guaranteed all this money. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of these players have you know, good contracts for what you and I will make in our lifetime, but also they've worked their whole life to get to this point. It could be over in two years. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I like that he kind of cleared that up a little bit and and that he was trying to be that voice. Um, But by far my favorite part of the whole statement is that he was going to be off of Twitter during the season. I'd like to myself, I'd like to focus on football. I'd like the team to be focused on football and Seems like we'll get that going forward. Sure. So let's move on to day two. Josh Allen picked up right where he left off on day one. 
as Allen wowed the offense by throwing an absolute laser to Beasley. And apparently this throw was so good, it would have gone at least 50 or 60 yards for touchdowns. For a touchdown, not touchdowns. Well, I well he had a couple of passes to Beasley where this happened. But this was the most prominent one. It was so good that the safeties reportedly had no time to react. And this was the throw that Emmanuel Sanders said, like, it was crazy. Like, mouth-dropping. I've been in the league for 12 years, so I'm excited about what they've created out here. I think that we got an opportunity, obviously. So, if that doesn't say anything, what does? Emmanuel Sanders has been in this league for quite some time, and, you know, he's probably getting us hyped up a little bit. But for him to say he's never seen something in the league, and seen anything like that in his time being in the league, is insane for me. Yeah, That just shows how much of a unicorn Josh Allen is. So, leaving Josh Allen out of it for a second, just every day that goes by, I love more and more that Emmanuel Sanders is part of this team. Oh, yeah. He's just, you know, he's, what, 34? Something like that. 33, 34. And every time I hear from him, every time I see him on the field, he still just looks like a kid going out there having a blast. Um, he seems super fun. He still seems like he's he, 34. Yeah, he seems like he's just having a great time with it. Um, you know, hearing what he had to say about Josh Allen's play, you know, this is a guy that's been in the league for 12 years, and also, like, it's not like he's been playing with scrubs. You know, he started, mm-hmm. I think he started with Big Ben. He's played with Peyton Manning. Um, he played with Drew Brees, like, you're talking Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, you're talking Big Ben probably ends up having a Hall of Fame career. Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, those are both two first ballot Hall of Famers. And for him to be saying you like think? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> for him to be saying like he's never seen throws like this, like that's saying something, you know? Yeah, for sure. And moving on, Boogie Basham. We kind of touched upon him a little bit on the day one notes, but he put a stain on Josh Allen's really, really good day. Apparently, he tipped a pass near the end zone, and the ball just skyrocketed up, and Basham was able to, you know, find it, secure the bag, a.k.a. the ball, and then just tumble into the end zone for a touchdown, which tells me that he's they're playing with a lot of you know force and tenacity which i love especially coming from a second round draft pick so he's already showing out and i love it yeah what I lo- i'll take any what, oh what's so it ahead. sorry what i really liked about hearing about this play was it didn't sound like a play where the ball just kind of fell into his lap um the way i read about it being described and whatnot is that it was like a real poise and focus to like stay committed to the ball, really track it down, secure the ball, and then keep moving. Um, mm-hmm. I see a lot of this kind of the intensity plays being made out of the out of the younger guys on the team. Um, thinking back to mini camps with uh, what Epinesa had the little 
skirmish with Feliciano after he mm-hmm. had a pick six himself. Um, I, I love seeing, you know, the highlight tape plays out of these young guys just oh yeah, really going in there, competing, and, you know, being a second-round pick, yes, he's a high-round, uh, a high-draft pick, and probably pretty secure on the team, but going out there and trying to earn it, and it really kind of fits with the that McDermott philosophy of earning everything, so I love to mm-hmm. see it. Yeah, they're hungry. They're yeah. humble, hungry, and young. <laughs> Playoff Which caliber. is awesome. For sure, for sure. We're just going to use all the McDermott uh, euthanisms throughout this I watched, episode. I watched an interview with him after one of the training camp practices, and it was like four questions total, and he answered with humble and hungry three times, and I was like... Yeah, I saw that. I love I this like, dude. okay, okay. <laughs> He's like... Uh, Humble and hungry. Yep. He's like, he had what the, was that? He had the giant bucket cap on, too. Oh, the... the like, the, safari like, hats. Yeah, I yeah. I gotta find one of those. Definitely. It, it's it's serious. That's for sure. Moving on to end of day two notes. Oh, actually, before we get to the, to the end of day two notes, I think in this practice, Emmanuel Sanders caught a deep pass from... I think it was Allen for a touchdown, but it's it's nice to see that he's getting chemistry in this offense, and he's already like proven to be a good fit in this scheme, which is really nice to hear. I agree. Yeah, I love everything that I've seen from Emmanuel Sanders so far. Could you try again? Just see. Emmanuel Sanders is awesome. Yeah, get that down, Siri. Jeez, sorry about that. Moving on to the end of uh, notes here on day two. Saran Neal and Jacob Hollister, right? So Saran Neal uh, intercepted Mitchell Trubisky in practice, which is nice. And, well, I guess nice for Saran Neal, but not great for Mitchell Trubisky. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's just like, oh, Mitchell Trubisky got intercepted? Oh, no. Oh, wait, he's a bill. (laughs) Right. It's like, oh wait, I gotta root for, I got, I gotta want this guy to be real good, and then Jacob Hollister got injured, so he's day to day with a back injury. So, what what are your thoughts on those two notes? Yeah, Saran Neal has kind of been, from the accounts I've heard, making a little bit of noise this camp, and he's a guy that's kind of been around as a special teams ace, and. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool seeing him making a little bit of noise because, you know, he was kind of a draft and develop player. And I believe he's going into year four now. And it seems like he's kind of been getting groomed in the background. Uh, maybe he maybe he steps in. He takes over that Dean Marlowe role. And we don't really miss a beat there like I've been worried about. Um, mm. Dean Marlowe is one of the, one of the low-key losses this year that I was kind of concerned about because he did play significant snaps and we kind of talked previously about you know does DeMar Hamlin come out come in and take over that role as a rookie mm-hmm. and now I'm kind of looking at it as like maybe this maybe the veteran end of this roster is more secured than I really think um, we've seen a lot of the draft picks from being kind of just make the roster um, but as I look at it more, it's like, you know, maybe maybe DeMar Hamlin 
gets practice squad for a year and maybe surround Neal is ready to, you know, kind of take on a bigger role and I'm here for it. If he's ready, I I've always kind of liked him as a player. He just hasn't been ready or hasn't been given the opportunity. So if, if it can be kind of a draft and develop situation where we see more out of him this year, I'm all for it. I will say this real quick. We're, we got to get to a quick break, but there's a reason why free agents stayed away from Buffalo. If you're a low draft pick and you got picked by the Bills, that's not – I mean, it's a great thing, but, like, you know, at the same time, you're just like, oh, man, I got my work cut out for me. I got to put in work to, like – try to make third string or like second literally anything i gotta i gotta contribute on special teams right this team is really good there's a reason why there's a lot of expectations going into this year and if some of the draft picks like for example marquez stevenson doesn't make it that's okay and that just means that we have someone better on our team right now than him and that is freaking sweet to say yeah and we'll get to the break but i i gotta touch on that real quick there's so many years of watching bills football that it's like you know the team was just devoid of talent and you know say you had no good options at right guard and we drafted a guard in the sixth round and we're like well we got this guy that can come in and you know there's these immediate expectations for a six-round pick to just show up and <laughs> be the answer as a starter, you know. Th- this is kind of a problem that it's new to me, and, like, I still struggle on a daily basis, like, looking at the roster and who's going to make it, of, like, mm-hmm. saying a guy like Marquez Stevenson might not make the team this year. He might be on the practice squad for a year. We might see him next year. It's it's like watching a hockey draft when like you don't expect to see these guys for two three years, um, but that's kind of like the mark of a good team in the NFL is you're not expecting you know plus or minus seven draft picks to be all impact players on your team. It's okay for the later round picks to maybe take a little time to develop, maybe never actually mm-hmm. see the field year one. Yeah, it's almost like we're going to have to draft and let them develop. (laughs) Weird. Right. Anyways, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. We're going to finish things up on this episode by talking about day three and day four of training camp thus far. Now, I'm not entirely sure if this happened on day three, but... You know, we're just going to try to deliver note, the notes as we kind of get them. So pardon us if we get one day. We, we deliver news on one day, but it really happened like on day one or day two notes actually happen on day four. Uh, we're just trying to our, do our best, and we're talking bills. <laughs> Not professionals. Huge asterisks. <laughs> Anyways, no surprise here, but the bills are going to go with the hot hand at running back. So the committee of style backfield so and i also heard that devin singletary has looked really explosive not to take anything away from Ma- Masa brita 
but I've heard that he looks real good. They've also worked on a lot of pass catching out of the backfield when it comes to Moss and Singletary. Brita is already pretty good at that, so you know nothing surprising there. But in terms of those two, it looks like they've really upped their consumption or really um, attempts in terms of pass catching. And I rather like that style of going with the hot hand, right? I don't think it's good just to have one guy to take the whole workload, you know. And McDermott's been on the record saying that in the past, saying, like, it's really not good for our offense to have one person doing it over and over and over again. Yeah, so there's a lot of things that I like about this. Um, Thinking about, like, other teams game planning against us of, like... Mm -hmm. Are we going to get hit up in the in the middle on the run game? Are we going to have Brita come in, um, really push our edge the whole game? Um, so I really like the the committee approach. Um, the way I feel is kind of the league has devalued the running back position, and kind of having the quote unquote bell cow running back. It, it one, it's too much of an investment in the position for me. And two, it's too many eggs in the basket of, you know, you see a Saquon Barkley go down, you see Ezekiel Elliott go down. It just changes so much about your offense. And what I also see in those situations more than not is some backup guy, Wayne Gallman, comes in and puts up banana numbers and he's like a hot fantasy ad for that week. Um what that usually tells me is that it's it's more about the offensive line in front of those players than the running backs themselves. Um, yes, they can be super dynamic and game changers and game breakers and all that, um, but even the most elite running backs at the NFL level aren't doing anything without the line in front of them. Um, so for me, I'd, it doesn't really have to be the, the bell cow running back. Um, what I think we may see throughout the season is more of a, like a game plan specific approach and kind of, like I said before, um, not really allowing other teams to game plan for one of the pieces to your puzzle of what you're going to do on offense. Um, so for me, I don't, I don't see Brita as taking over that TJ Yeldon inactive every week role. Um, I kind of see that being more of a rotating door of, you know, this team has weak edges that struggle to contain. So we're going to feature Breida this week and we're going to get to the edge and we're going to hurt you in the run game that way. We're going to throw some screen passes that your DNs can't cover. And then, you know, the next week we have... We'll do this or we'll do that. Yeah, we have a team with, we think there's some weak defensive tackles, and we can get a push up the middle. This is a Zach Moss game. Um, So I think over the course of the season, we could see a rotation between Singletary, Moss, and Breida all being inactive here and there on game day. Could happen. It very well could. Either way, I think all three of these running backs have a real good chance at making the roster. Um, Again, not sure if this was day three news, but it was reported that All the Bills coaches have been vaccinated, and at least 80% of the players have been too. So 
this is good news for the whole if there's an outbreak and it's your team's fault and your team then your team doesn't get paid and you also uh you take a loss as well so that's good for that whole crazy situation but i'm not sure this will actually happen at all for any of the teams the nfl because the nfl proved at the worst time for covid they were able to get all the nfl games in it's just as we mentioned on our last episode do they want to be that flexible again it's like will they do it yeah so the the biggest thing that changes for me here is that they added a game and that they didn't do a second bye week which yeah i wish they did yeah i i don't really understand the approach of not doing the second bye week and it, it seemed pretty obvious to me mm-hmm. um especially in this type of season where you added that game coming out of still going through a pandemic um and what you had to go through last year it it seems like it was pretty obvious to me that there should have been a second bye week and just logistically for the NFL alone you're stretching out your your season your product for an extra week there's just more eyeballs on your sport for longer so i don't really understand the approach of not doing a second bye week and i think in this season it would help with the flexibility if push mm-hmm. comes to shove and you had to reschedule a game. Um, but but for me, hearing that we're about 80%, it's all good news to me. I think the, the closer you can get to 100% in the NFL right now is going to be an advantage, um, not only availability-wise and you know not missing games or anything like that, but mm-hmm. the advantages you can gain in practices and meeting rooms, you know, avoiding Zoom calls because you can be in the same room and, you know, have that close contact and whatever. Um, So the closer we get to that, the better, I think. Um, But I think there's many more advantages around the scheduling. I I think if it really comes down to it during the season, the NFL doesn't want to, you know, put a forfeit loss on somebody's record. I think that's just a really hard line threat that they put out there to try to get compliance. Um, but more than not, they, they want to play these games too. Right. Last thing on day three, to my knowledge at least, Ed Oliver and Spencer Brown, they went at it. And no biggie. No biggie at all because... Could you try again? Siri, I am telling you, Ed Oliver and Spencer Brown fought, and it was okay because Ed Oliver said, I might get lunch with him later. I don't know yet. Seriously. It's really not a big deal, and apparently Siri doesn't know that. So I got to inform her, I'll inform you guys as the listener and Siri about what's been going on with the Bills. <laughs> Lastly, this just tells me that they're playing with a high level of intensity again and they're just going at it pushing each other in the right way so i don't think it's a big deal at all um i couldn't agree more um from my opinion these are like the top percentage of a one percent of athletes that make it into the nfl Mm -hmm. you know these dudes are 
you have to be top flight competitors to get to that level and you're lining up against the same guys day after day after day you see this happen in every training camp and every team in the NFL every year and and honestly if if you're part of an organization that doesn't have this happen once or twice a year I I want no part of that organization like it, right these dudes have fighting them they're fighting for their jobs they're fighting for millions of dollars on contracts mm-hmm. if you don't have a couple skirmishes once in a while what are we even doing here yeah seriously and also Josh Allen had a really great day so yeah but that's we're just gonna move on to day four because that's like casual that's normal news I now. guess yeah <laughs> that's so that's so nice to say right. anyways day four let the fans in Justin. I wish I could have been there, but I had to work at Rochester's finest Italian restaurant, unfortunately. And to my knowledge, you were off camping with no service. So we were both MIA and we had to live through the Twitterverse just to get glimpses and videos of what it was like. And it just looked like an absolute blast. And if you were there, I am so jealous that you were just in that area to see the see it all after going through a year of not being able to sit in the nosebleeds to be sitting in the hundred levels watching training camp that's awesome the scene itself on social media was literally breathtaking and it just signaled to me again and maybe i'm repeating myself but we're that much closer to the regular season and i'm just stoked yeah i i can't wait i like you said, I wish I could have been there personally. I had these, we had made these plans well, well before they announced the public dates. Honestly, we I, we had an amazing time camping. If I had to trade one for the other, I probably would have gone camping anyways. But that being said, I wish they w- trader. <laughs> I wish they worked uh, more around my schedule and made this open to me. Um, but yeah, kind of like we talked about earlier with Fisher, just kind of being in those practice atmospheres and getting a little it's a little more intimate look at the team versus like you know going to the stadium on Sunday to watch a game um mm-hmm. I, I remember some some of my most fond mom, uh, moments of being a Bills fan came from going to Fisher and watching the training camp you know with your mom uh, mostly my brothers a couple friends oh um moments are pretty cool too <laughs> I see what you did there <laughs> uh, okay <laughs> uh, so meeting jo- Jordan Poyer, meeting Stevie Johnson. Um, I have one of my buddies got me uh, a VIP tag signed by like 17 Bills players that were awesome at the time but never really did anything. It's Carlos just, Williams? Um, Carlos Williams might be on that. I know AJ McCarron's on it, Peterman's on it, Colton Schmidt's on there. Yeah, you know. Things like that from a from a lesser generation of mm. Bill's talent fade away quick, but it, the idea of having that kind of access in contact with the fan or with the players is just it's really cool, special. Yeah, for sure. Right, I should tell Anyways. you about the football I got signed from Little League. I wanna I want a raffle in Little League mm-hmm. that was signed by probably about fifteen Bills players. And yeah. Pat Williams was one of them, so there's some credence there. But 
Pat Pat Williams is a legend, but I had if you if you're missing Pat Williams, I had Sean Bryson on there, Sammy Morris, uh I think Larry Centers might have been on there. Yeah. These these were the players we used to get excited for. <laughs> so for if you can't see what I just did and you're listening to this, I signaled all of these players just going over my head because I have never heard of yeah, them. And I just got another year <laughs> older today. Hey, it's okay. It's all right. You got, with age comes wisdom. So so they say. Think about it like that. Anyways, Josh reportedly, reportedly didn't have that sharp of a day going into day four, going 15 of 20, so only 75%, which is... Still really good because he was at like 50% at some times uh, in the 11-11 drills. Uh, although he did a, did have a really good pass over the linebackers and the safeties, I believe, to Knox in the end zone, which shows that Knox can, maybe he's trending in the right direction. Granted that, you know, I believe the linebacker in coverage was Tyler Medikavich, so... Maybe not the greatest coverage linebacker ever, but it's still cool to see Dawson Knox still catch a pass. So I was, so I actually saw this one yeah, when I was catching up on all my highlights. And this one was like classic Dawson Knox where mm-hmm. he catches the most ridiculous ball. And then like, mm-hmm. you know, there's a little flat pass for two yards and some run after catch and he drops it because he's looking upfield. This was like... Dawson Knox back at the end zone, like, ah, getting both feet down, like, tucking the ball it. away, just boinking it out of the air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, that was the best pass I heard. Yeah, it it failed to change any opinions I have on Dawson Knox. I'm still very high mm-hmm. on Dawson Knox. Um, but what I need to see more from him is the consistency and the routine plays. For me, he's always been able to make those ridiculous plays, and I don't understand the disconnect in between of like dropping this easy catch but making that play. Well, he's learning. He's a little streaky, but that that might that might change real soon. I don't know. I got a good feeling. If he makes and the plays worst in- pass, uh, the worst pass of Allen's day was uh, when Jermaine Edmonds was out there the starting uh, middle linebacker, which was tipped by Edmonds and almost intercepted by Josh Thomas. So, you know, a little bit of a higher level of competition for Allen and I guess not his sharpest day, but whatever, you know. Jermaine Edmonds is very good on his own rights. I'll take 15 for 20 with a touchdown all day, every day. For sure. You were saying something, I'm sorry? Um. I lost it. We'll carry ah, on. That's all right. Well, we'll move on to Diggs because he sat out the second half of practice, but was out dancing and throwing the ball like he always does with fans. So I think he'll be okay. And moreover, uh, you know, Jake Kumro and Hodgins took first team snaps. That's probably, you know, because Diggs sat out and, there's been rumors that Kumro has been looking real nice, but I'm not going to fall for this trap where I think a practice squad or practice squad player is just suddenly a 
top tier wide receiver and is ready to show out. So I am not going to take a bite of the forbidden fruit, Justin. Got me on the hook. Um, so as far as Diggs goes, I, I don't read into that at all. I figure that's kind of just like a veteran rest day, take this half off, you know, with the fans in the stands, everybody getting a little bit more excited than they were. You know, you get a young player or something eager to make a play, roll up on his knee, and all of a sudden he's out for the season. So I think that was probably more caution than anything. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as Kumaro goes, I'm starting to think I'm retooling my uh, roster prediction we did. I'm starting to think that he's he's my sixth wide receiver. Um, I've seen a lot of reports coming out that Hodgins is struggling to get off of coverage at the line, um, which was kind of his, his not coming out of college was that he couldn't beat press, um, mm-hmm. which kind of... Sl- puts him into the mold of just being a big slot receiver, um, mm-hmm. which we kind of have covered right now with Cole Beasley. Um, but Kumaro, the more I hear kind of glowing reviews coming out about him, he was our, he was already a special team standout. And if we're talking about, you know, the, the actual contributions you likely need from a six receiver, I think he's a solid mm-hmm. enough player to do that. Um, you know, we're talking like Andre Roberts role as an actual receiver last year. You know, you're not really asking him to run many routes. You're not asking him to do much. Um, what he contributes to special teams. I think he's a really strong player there. Um, so for my roster projection, I've adjusted it to Diggs, Beasley, Sander, Davis, all locks, McKenzie is like a 75% lock for me. And Kumaro is currently currently projected as my sixth receiver. Hmm. Well, you know, I, I haven't done the a roster. <laughs> I haven't done a roster, um, you know, prediction. But maybe that's something I'll do towards the end of training camp when I have more news to go off. Because this is, this is so typical of like how I felt um about bills players in the past like i used to think brandon riley was gonna crack the roster and he didn't he never did and he never will he didn't even get close to it so i i don't know i i can't i'm not gonna take the bait yet but all right we do need to talk about the starter the starters on offensive line from left to right bobby hart john feliciano mitch morris Cody Ford, and then Daryl Williams. Kind of seems interesting that Bobby Hart got the snaps over Brown considering that I've heard and saw Bobby Hart got beaten multiple, multiple, multiple times. And maybe they're just doing this because, you know, Spencer Brown is still learning, which is fine, which is really fine. But it's not great to know that you know, Bobby Hart is is here. <laughs> so he is not great, Bob. So nothing personal about Bobby Hart. I don't know the man, Bobby Hart. I don't hate you. Uh, mm-hmm. I was hoping that the only Bills related news I would touch on with Bobby Hart is that he was cut from the team. 
Um, but I kind of developed a theory here because, I, like you, I would have liked to see Spencer Brown get those reps, you know. We're talking mm-hmm. about him being drafted and year one being the swing tackle, right? Um, but McDermott has talked so often about nothing's giving, nothing's given, everything's earned. You have to earn your spot, you have to earn your reps, all that. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm thinking that maybe Bobby Hart was kind of just trotted out there to be like, you know, Spencer Brown sees the opening there and he's like, I'm about to get playing time. And McDermott's like, like, sit down. You haven't earned this yet. And just watch Bobby Hart yeah, go to work. Yeah. <laughs> and just be on the sideline like, man, I could do better than that. And then maybe kind of just light a little bit of fire in him. And mm-hmm. that's my theory. I'm sticking with that. Right, right. And let's talk about the performance of that line since we're already talking about it. There would have been some sacks. Apparently, Epinesa would have gotten a pair of sacks on Allen if, you know, he didn't have the red contact jersey. Same could be said about Rousseau on uh, Trubisky as well, but apparently Rousseau literally did this this crazy chop move on Daryl Williams that just blew right by him and just knocked him straight on his butt. So that's pretty encouraging. And F.A. Obata beat Bobby Hart really bad from what I heard. Shocking. Like, really, really bad. <laughs> kind of like, you know, when you get crossed up in, bas- crossed up in basketball and everyone's like, oh! Like, it, I guess it was like that bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a couple different opinions here. It, it's great to see these young players get their, you know, would-be sacks. Um, what I'm kind of thinking is also with that, like, Okay, but if you let the play play out, Josh Allen didn't have the best line in front of him last year, and he's a goddamn magician back there. So the the would be, you know, they do like a two hand touch for the sack there. I'm not convinced that they're all sacks. They might be on other quarterbacks, but I'm not willing to give it up that easily. You never know with them. Yeah, and I give you that. I love seeing the news from Epinesa because I think he could have a sneaky good season with this compression style defense. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it is just him being consistent in his job and his role and just playing that style of defense. And Jerry Hughes will flush a lot of sacks to him. Um, So I think Epinesa is in for a really big year. Um, Glad to see the rookies again showing out and kind of putting some stuff on tape and making people think about them. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd like to see them start stringing some days together like that where we start really thinking about the kind of noise they can make. Um, The F.A. Obata thing, I'm not really surprised. I think I've never... I don't think I've ever been so excited for a fringe roster player that people are talking about. Will he get cut or not? I like. I really love F.A. Obata, and I think if he gets a chance to be, I think if he gets a chance to actually make the roster, we're going to see consistent returns from him. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm not sure how much of a fringe 
player he actually is after hearing all this news. So we'll have to see if more news leaks out, and I might have to reassess my uh, views on him. Uh, moving on, first team reps split between Dane Jackson and Levi. So that's pretty good. We got some steady competition at CB2, Justin. I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah, I'll, I'll make this one quick. Uh, they brought in competition before, and Levi has not given it up. So to me, Dane Jackson's fighting uphill battle, and, and we'll see if he's got the gumption to take it from Levi. Right. And the last thing to note uh, that really kind of didn't have to do with training camp but happened on day four is that the fact that the Pagulas would like the new stadium to be paid for by taxpayers. Uh, you know, Terry went also went as far to say that many cities would love to have an NFL team. But I saw the Pagula Sports and Entertainment PR Twitter account stating the following statement. The PSE organization has no plans to move the bills and is committed to a sustainable future for the franchise in Western New York. We have begun conversations with local officials regarding government support that is in line with recent stadium builds. Thank you and go Bills. So I'm not really sure what to make of this yet because it just seems like we're getting so many mixed messages and I don't think taxpayers... I'll put it like this. I don't think it's a good use of taxpayers' money for like I think it's like the entire New York State would have to pay for it, right? So you know, having having a having a football team is a luxury. It truly is. And not everyone, let's say the whole New York State taxpayers, every New York State taxpayer has to pay for the stadium. Not everyone loves football and not everyone in New York is, you know, a Bills fan. And if I'm going to be completely honest here, I wouldn't want my money going towards that. I'd rather have it go towards the greater good, like schools, fixing really bad roads. Really bad. Getting Justin out on Justin out on more camping trips, stuff like that. You know, you, you, you get what I'm saying. I, I just don't think that it's... I don't think one point whatever billion dollars is a good use of taxpayer money and the threat of the whole Austin thing kind of emerged and I just don't I just don't really know if I'm buying that and if they do move that's going to really upset me and a lot of Bills fans. So I I don't really know what to think. <laughs> so I I have a couple things here. Um First of all, I don't want to get into this too much until more details emerge because we're right, we're right at the ground floor, and after one day, the story's already changing. Um, as far as the taxpayers paying into the stadium, uh, unfortunately, that's part of doing business in the NFL right now. It's not unprecedented. It's, it's, it's actually pretty, pretty common now. Um, mm-hmm. What I don't like, and I'm I'm gonna have to go on a mini rant here, is that like day one of this coming out, it's like leaked out that there's 
Well, there's a lot of cities in the U.S. that would like an NFL team. Don't give me that shit. I know there's a lot of teams that want an NFL team. Don't don't start your negotiation with that. And that's mm-hmm. that's all this is right now is a negotiation. You know, the taxpayers will never pay a hundred percent. The bills likely aren't moving, but like on day one of negotiations, you're like, "Well, you're gonna pay a hundred percent, or we're out of that's town." Um, get the fuck out of here! Like, don't bring that to me day one. You have one of the most loyal fan bases in the NFL, and that's not just me talking as a Bills fan. That you cite your sources across the league and how many people talk about Bills Mafia and the love we have for our team and the dedication we have for our team. And we just sat through damn near a 20-year playoff drought when we were still selling out games. We were still filling the stadium in sub-zero temperatures, showing up to support our team. And now it's like one year of success. We need to build a new stadium. And if you guys don't play ball with us, guess what? We're moving. Don't give me that shit day one. Bring that in later on or whatever you want to do. But don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. Yeah, and another thing I'll add to that is initially I thought that was kind of harsh because the Pagulas bought the team seven years ago or seven or eight years ago and saved us from moving to, you know, Canada or L.A. or what, wherever the, the speculation was driving the, the Bills to leave Western New York at that time. And then when the Bagulas bought the Bills, they they got Chris Berman to do like this promotional video on ESPN with the Sabres and, and the Bills promoting one Buffalo. You put your name on that whole thing like one city, one ownership, one goal. Like, And then you're going to follow that up. Seven years later, going like, "Hey, man, like I have no problem about breaking one Buffalo." Like, I, to me, I was just like, "What, bro? Like, what?" Yeah, realistic what? to me, like, it comes off as a negotiation tactic in poor taste that mm-hmm. doesn't really have much legs to stand behind. Like, yeah, like I said, I you're you're going to this tactic day one. Like, realistically, I don't think there's any chance that they plan on moving the team out of Buffalo. You know, they, they own the Sabres. They've invested money into the waterfront. They've invested into Buffalo. All that. So, like, realistically, I don't see it happening. But, you know, day one of news coming out about, like, the negotiation of how it's going to go. And it's like, well, we could have this uh, this other one over here. Like, don't do not do that. I don't, yeah. I don't like that. We, we could leave a basically... A- a small comp- competition market in Western New York, but you know, if if you don't, if you guys don't want to pay, we're gonna go to a really high market competition in Texas, where they have the Cowboys and they have the Texans, and there's college football <laughs> like teams down there yeah. that are actually like really good. We could go there. Like in my head, I was just like, why? That's like. It doesn't make a lot of sense. You you don't want to enter a market that's already saturated and you're offering the same goods. Like that's just that doesn't make any sense in terms of economics. And I that's 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 how I looked at it. I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm good on this rant. <laughs> we I don't know we about both you. ranted. We're good. 
Yeah, yeah. So let, let's just, you know, this is, I guess, going into next week's episode, but we can just talk about it real quick. Uh, you know, John Feliciano got his shoulder kind of tweaked up on uh, today, Monday, and kind of sat out the rest of practice. Uh, so not ideal. And apparently Patrick Mahomes watches film on Josh Allen to take notes. You'd be foolish not to. So, what what are your thoughts on those two things before we wrap up here? Uh, Feliciano, I hope it's nothing serious. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's, you know, a make-or-break player for this team. Um, but I do think he's one of our best five, five offensive linemen as of now. Um, uh-huh. As far as the Mahomes things goes, I mean, sure, you, you'd be foolish not to be watching film on one of the top five quarterbacks that kind of gets lumped in with you. Um, yeah. And kind of just hearing one of the greats in the league now compare himself to an Allen Rodgers, um, Brady, all in the same conversation. He threw Kirk Cousins in there too, I guess. He's pretty good. I don't whatever. But just... Pretty good at getting overpaid. Yeah. I mean, it... It's cool as like a little sign of respect, but I would much rather at the end of uh, this season hear Allen give Mahomes respect for right, you know, right somebody that he can build off of. Yeah, and you know Allen's been on the record saying like, "Hey, I spent a lot of time in the off season trying to throw my ball, just like Russell Wilson." Now he doesn't throw it like Russell Wilson because they're they're just two different, you know, physical specimens. But it's really it's paying homage, uh, homage, <laughs> to some really good players in the in the league. Anyways, I think that's gonna wrap it up for this week's episode. Go ahead and like, comment, and subscribe, and review our podcast as well as other amazing shows that you can find on the Built in Buffalo Network. You know, Justin and I are always looking for great people to join our show. So if you're interested, feel free to reach out to us um, by searching the Wandering Buffalo podcast. And you can find that on pretty much any social media account. Justin, where can the people find you and wish you a happy birthday? Birthday. Um, You can always find me on social media at jgods22. Um, We're also, like Andrew said before, on the Built in Buffalo Network got content coming out seven days a week. A lot of great shows on there. So mm-hmm. anything that'll tickle, tickle your fancy will be on there. So check it out, Built in Buffalo Network. Sure, sure. And also, we forgot to mention, we on the network have a new addition to the team, oh, yeah. which is the Not Your Average podcast in the 716, which we did do a collab episode uh, with back in the day. I think it was like like two or three months ago but it was such a fun time great people and t yeah t and big mike real cool people and i enjoyed them a lot great content great people great show anyways you can find me on social media by searching up two changs i think that's going to do it for us tonight justin go bills go bills